Hello, everyone. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the 13th Man Sports Live Show. It's Shane alongside Frankie. It was a wonderful week of CFL football that just kicked off. We'll get into that quickly. Just a quick word from two of our sponsors. we got Customized Sports, your number one stop shop for all your custom jersey needs. Link is in the description. It's in our link tree as well. You can find all the links down in the description. As well as Bodog, your number one stop for all your fantasy and daily betting needs. Head on over to Bodog. Put in, hey, there were some wild bets this weekend, some ups, upsets that would have made you a lot of money if you put money down. Um, but, you know, Frankie, why don't we start off with the game, the first game of the week, first game of the season, in, uh, and the first game in 620 days, Hamilton and Winnipeg. Yeah. Um, well, question right out of the bat, Shane. I mean, we both agreed that starting Jeremiah Mazzoli was the right thing to do. Um, we've put out a poll, actually, and I'm going to pull up the results. We had one on Twitter. I think it was split 50-50. There wasn't – you know, there was, I think there was about 30 responses to that, split 50-50. Um, interesting, that one. Uh, we put one out – we put our power rankings out today, uh, if you didn't see that. We – uh, put a poll in that as well. I mean, it's not something that's going to stick around forever because um, this is awful and it only gives us a certain amount of responses. So, um, yeah, so these polls are not going to be a, a fixture. But um, with 35 votes in the poll for who should start week two at quarterback for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, Jeremiah Mazzoli leads with 57% of the voting. Yeah, that's not surprising. Mazzoli wasn't the problem with that no. in that game. No, but he didn't help either, right? I don't think. It wasn't I mean, great. He, he, he kept, the pressure kept coming from the inside. And, you know, I know if you're a quarterback, if you have inside pressure, you're, you're done for. You're not, you're not going to be able to do much dealing with inside pressure consistently, and that's what happened. Yeah. Uh, I think if their O-line can get a little bit better, I think Okafor and Tate on the outside did a decent job. But, you know, Hamilton had three sacks. Two of them came from the linebacker position. I, I think he, he's fine. You give him a proper O-line, even a little bit better O-line, uh, he, he would be fine. He looked tired by the end of it because he was running yeah. around so much. What, what I will say, though, from the Tiger Cats front, the offense struggling as much as it did, it, did it not surprise you that they didn't at least try to put Dave Evans out there and see if he could spark something? No, because you, you – I think – so here's my thinking is that coaches are way too stubborn sometimes. Yes. Stonehammer probably could, should, should have went to uh, Dane Evans uh, unless he honestly believed that putting in a quarterback wasn't going to change the difference because of how their line was getting dominated. Uh, but I, I think personally they wouldn't have done any better with Evans. The reason I asked that though, because Mazzoli had success at the beginning of the game, right? We both agree with that. He was he looked awesome. Um, but it just came to a point where Winnipeg wasn't allowing that anymore. And at least if you go to Dane Evans, you get a fresh tank of gas. You know, like I think that was the issue with a lot of teams this opening week. The conditioning wasn't there for a lot of them. And it's hard to have it there. Nobody's played a football game in 600 days. So I don't know how you would possibly be, you know, football ready. So if you at least went with Dane Evans for the start of the fourth quarter, you put a guy out there who's in a, in a, in a, a position where he hasn't done anything all game. You know you know he's talented enough to win you the game. It just maybe changes the pace of the game just enough for you that you might be able to have a bit of a breakthrough on the offense. And, I mean, it clearly wasn't working with Mazzoli out there in that game, not to say that he shouldn't be the starter. Um, but I think it, that's something I would have tried if I was the head coach of the Tiger Cats there. I think when you, you put in a quarterback like that, though, you're kind of putting the blame on him. And I think that this isn't a goaltending situation like in hockey where people understand that sometimes you, you change the goaltender because the team in front of the goaltender isn't playing well. Yes, but I think at the same time, too, though, in that example, I think there's a lot more capable backup goaltenders in hockey than there are capable backup quarterbacks in football. Well, I agree, but I think it has a different message when you pull out your quarterback in football than it does when you pull out the goaltender. Sure. Right? Because sure. Yeah. that quarterback's supposed to be your the engine of your offense. 
So if you switch out your quarterback, you're basically admitting that the engine isn't working, even if it's not his fault. Like, and I think this is why you see quarterbacks a little bit more hesitant on switching quarterbacks is because there's such a mentality of if we pull the quarterback, it's going to be looked at as, and it may be even looked at in the room as the coach doesn't trust the quarterback, doesn't trust the engine running the car and that can cause problems. And I think that's where coaches have an issue pulling a quarterback when the entire team isn't working. Yeah. And we'll get to this we'll get to the Winnipeg blue bombers in a moment here. Cause there's some good stuff to talk about with them. Um, but at the same time with Evans and Mazzoli, when do it, it's a little weird to me that I think it's obvious that Dane Evans is the plan for the future, right? How long do they plan? Cause I never, I never thought that Mazzoli wouldn't start, but I've also never thought that he's going to end the season as a starting quarterback in Hamilton. It's almost like a foregone conclusion in my mind that Dane Evans is going to take the starting job at some point. This is just proving that their desire to use Dane Evans as the starting quarterback is the right choice. That's what this feels like to me. Because yeah, I, I, I can't, both of them have one year left in their contract, right? Uh, yeah, Mazzoli only signed for one year, and then yeah. Dane Evans, I think, has one year left. Yes. So in absolutely no parallel universes, and not in this universe either, do the Tiger Cats allow Dane Evans to walk at the end of this season and keep Jeremiah Mazzoli? I don't think there's a chance in hell that happens. Yeah, but I mean, I, okay, here, my thinking is if Mazzoli struggles next week, they're going to Evans. Oh, they have to. They have to because uh, if, if they lose, they got a tough game next week with the Riders. Yep. If they Especially lose that with game, the Argos winning. If they go 0-2, you know, Toronto still has to beat Winnipeg, so that's not a foregone conclusion whatsoever. Montreal is another team to watch. They play Edmonton next week. If they start the season 0-2, if even if Toronto goes 1-1 here and they lose to Winnipeg and Montreal goes 1-0, they beat Edmonton, Hamilton's behind the eight ball. If you start the season 0-2 with the Argonauts looking as good as they are, it's not good for you. Yeah, and I mean, I think you look at that across all the board. You know, if whoever enters and whoever ends next week 0-2 for the team, like Calgary, BC, uh, Hamilton, I think are the three teams that play next week that lost, and Edmonton, Edmonton. so the four teams. If any of those four teams, especially – the, they're all in the West outside of Hamilton. You have three teams in the West that can, you know, have the one of those or two of those three or one of those three is guaranteed to go 0-2 because I'm pretty sure Calgary plays BC next week. Yeah. Um, so you're guaranteed one of those is going to go 0-2. Yeah. If you're if you're Edmonton, if you're one of those teams, you have to you can't go 0-2, 0-3. And expect to make the playoffs. Yeah. Just to wrap up on Hamilton before we move on to uh, get a little bit of Winnipeg in there. Um, their offense looked good on the first drive and then rather anemic from there on out. I don't know what they have to do to fix that. I think there's some O-line stuff there. O-line. That it's interior tough, of the O-line needs to be better. It's tough when you're going up against Jackson Jeffcoat and – uh, Willie Jefferson. But it's not, though, because Tate and Okafor did well. Like, and this I, is and the I same thing the that thing. we saw in the Grey Cup, though. The, those, It's difficult to, to match up against a defensive line that has as many pieces as Winnipeg does. Well, I agree, but the fact that Winnipeg had one sack is a kudos to Mazzoli because Mazzoli yeah. was running for his life, and the person who got the sack was an interior lineman. Tate and Okafor, they had their issues. I mean, every lineman does. You don't have a perfect game start to finish in, in football. There, no player does. Yeah. Um, but the fact that Jefferson and Jeffcoat didn't get a sack, I don't even think. I don't even think uh, Jefferson had a tackle, or he had one tackle. He, the interior he, of the line. Way though, I mean, I don't. I don't think Mazzoli ever looked comfortable, and and sometimes that's just as good as getting a sack. Oh, I agree. It's just. That interior of the line, the fact that they kept losing man to man, they were losing. They that interception, uh, Jefferson's INT. Yes, was that was a, a fantastic play by Willie Jefferson. 
I don't think a, that was designed. Like no, that. I think he just realized that he was better off to pull back. Yeah, probably saw the under route, but that was a three-man rush front, and it was caused by the interior of the line. So, in my opinion, I don't like they. They need to fix their. They need to communicate better. That all line needs to do a lot better if they have a chance next week. Yeah, uh, onto the Winnipeg front. Um, absolutely massive shout out to Brady Oliveira. Uh, he had a fantastic football game. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, uh, but he did rush for well over 100 yards. He was fantastic. Shout out to Kenny Lawler and Nick Dembski for stepping up in a huge way. Uh, Kenny Lawler did come away from that game with our player of the game. Uh, it was him and Brady Oliveira that I really thought about, but it's hard not to give it to the guy who scores the only two touchdowns for you. Um, yeah. So Lawler got it for that game. Uh, just all-round great offensive performance from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And Zach Kalaros, man, he he's really he, – to me, it looks like he's turned back the clock to his Hamilton days where the injuries weren't a concern. And that's scary because I think right now – I think Zach Caleros is either the third or fourth best quarterback in the league. Pretty sure we had him ranked third. Third we, or fourth. We did, but I also think that, I mean, that list did include a lot of, like, what guys have done in the past. Um, yeah, but I think In Caleros, terms of, like, with health right now, too, he's if you put in, If you put the top four, like, top three health quarterbacks when healthy, I think most CFL fans would put, you know, Bo Levi – Mike Riley, Zach Caleros. In terms think, of who's in the who's in the CFL right now, when healthy, those three quarterbacks have shown that they can be ballers when healthy. I think there's people who would make the argument that Cody Fajardo might be better than Caleros. Uh, that one I'm still kind of waiting on confirmation on. I think he can be, but I think you know he's he's got to eliminate the second half of this opening week's game. Uh, to be able to do that, do, I mean, are we done with the, the BC Hamilton? Yeah, uh, I mean, Winnipeg played great. They only had one sack, but they had a bunch of pressures. Their offense looked good. Mm-hmm. Their old line looked a lot better than I thought they would. Yeah. Um, and they're, but, they're, they're number one in our power went rankings for a reason. If you haven't read those, they are out now. Um, and Saskatchewan fans aren't happy with us. That's not surprising. Red Bulls like, fans aren't happy with us, which is kind of comical. Okay, but okay, <laughs> if we're gonna if we're gonna move over to the Saskatchewan BC game, how? How please if you're if you're a Rough Riders fan and you're watching this in the comments put in why the Rough Riders should be top two after what winning by what five or four against BC like it just you had a thirty point lead a half and then you win by five yeah please explain to me why you should be in the top two or three yeah and I mean when I put those together. Me and you decide the order that we want to go, and then I go in and I explain why each team is where they are. I literally wrote in that one that if the game had continued to go like it was in the first half, the Riders would have been number two. But the way they played in the second half almost cost them the football game, and it cost them the second spot in the power rankings. They have to go where they went. They went number four behind Hamilton, Toronto, and Winnipeg. Yeah, and I mean, argumentally, you can probably put Saskatchewan over Hamilton. Uh, in that three spot. But who's better of, on paper? That's that's the other part about p- power rankings are not standings. And a lot of people, like, ultimately power rankings mean nothing. But if I'm going in, if my definition of power rankings is if I put two teams on the field today, who would win? And that's why BC is ahead of Ottawa. And that's why Winnipeg is ahead of Toronto. Because I think Winnipeg would beat Toronto and I think Winnipeg would beat everyone in the league. They're the favorites in those games, right? And Ottawa's not a favorite in any single matchup right now. Yeah, and I mean, but before before we really talk about the power rankings, we'll dive we'll talk in dive in to this BC yes. versus Rough Riders game. And a lot of people were mad. Uh, we all know Nathan. It was all expected that Mike Riley was Michael, Michael Riley. My apologies, Michael Riley is was going to start. Come BC's first drive, Nathan work starts. And then everyone and their mothers got on Twitter and was like, betting this, betting that. If you want, you can't have, you can't expect people to bet and you're not going to be transparent, this, that, and the other thing. And it's like, personally, I understand what you're getting about. But you would have to think that if the, if the, and I mean, it wasn't really surprising because I know Campbell did some shady stuff when he was with Ottawa when it came to his starting quarterbacks. 
But you would have to think with Mike Riley, if he was going to play, he was going to play. It must have been, like, people were calling Campbell's character into question over this. And it's like, as much as I don't like Campbell, if Mike Riley says he's playing, he's playing. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. This is where I think that, sure, list him for the, the game is questionable. You can do whatever you want there. But to me, and this was, we got, I was in a debate with uh, the Roar Report over this. Um, when Mike Riley got on the field for warm up, Michael Riley, sorry, got on the field for warm ups and he couldn't throw a deep ball. And I mean, we saw his passes in the second half. There's no way that they were much better in warm up. You know, I, I just don't believe that. So for them not to come out with a statement or at least a tweet or something, you know, when those warm-ups happened 45 minutes before the game, that's where I'm my issues arise from. Because at that point, you know, at least we have some kind of notice. I don't know if you can change your bet before a game starts or not, but that's what I'm asking for, right? Just give a tweet, a statement, whatever, that says Mike Riley cannot throw a football. He's not starting this game. Nathan Rourke will start this football game. Yeah, and then you have Farhan Lodge who comes out and says basically that Mike Riley told them after kickoff that he wasn't good to go. I don't believe that, though. I don't believe that Mike Riley, knowing the way that he was throwing the football in the second half, with him saying that his arm didn't respond to treatment before the game, I refuse to believe that he didn't know that he wasn't going to start the football game in warm-ups. I, I mean, I think he was – here's the thing. Believing that he's not going to do it and actually telling them, probably different – yeah, and Reality I mean, is, right? we both know that Michael Riley wants to play. He's a, the, the the warrior trope is so overused, but it's so true. Like if he's so, injured, he wants to play. So but, it would not it would not surprise me if he went through warm up and he's like, you know what, I can do it. And then when he came out after for the he was throwing the ball and he's just like, no, I can't. It would not it would not surprise me if that if that did happen. Yeah, but at the same time. Let's think about what has to go th- – what medical staff – like, sorry, I don't know how to say this. What does he have to do to prove to the medical staff, to prove to the coaches, to prove to the general manager that he can go out there and play before the game? Because if he Probably wasn't throwing all week <laughs> – if he wasn't throwing all week and that's what he came out doing, the way he was throwing that ball, he didn't throw one spiral, Shane. Not one. But to me, there's reports that he basically told Campbell after like, on the, the sideline after halftime that he was good to go and he wanted to play. Right, but if that was what good to go meant, he was never good to no, go. No, and I he mean... He never should have had pads on. He, he never should have, and he should never have played. But the fact that if Mike... It's like Bo Levi. It's like Ricky Ray and Henry Burris. If they play, if they want to play, and they tell you that they are good to play, you play them. Yes, but here's here's what I will say. I think this is probably the last point I'm going to make on this. It would have been smarter for them to scratch Mike, Michael Riley and have Nathan Rourke going into this game knowing that he was going to be the starting quarterback because yeah. Nathan Rourke did not look prepared mentally to start that football game. Or and, at all. Like that offense did not look prepared yeah. for, for Rourke. Well, and that's that's one of the things I highlighted in the, in the power rankings was that once Michael Riley came in, things settled down. There wasn't this frantic energy about the BC Lions anymore. They calmed down. You know, Nathan Rourke then went out and led touchdown drives. He looked good. And that, to me, is more mental preparation than anything. Because you and I both know that Nathan Rourke has some serious talent. Hey, he's getting first first team reps. He got first team reps today. Mm -hmm. He's going to be a star in this league at some point. Oh, 100%. Him and O'Connor. Him and... Him and O'Connor both are gonna ha- are gonna be stars. Yeah, I would have liked to seen the BC Lions and going forward, this is what they should do. If Michael Riley cannot play, if his throws are like they were in the second half, end it. Just say tell tell Nathan Rourke for midweek in in practice. Nathan, you are the starting quarterback this week. Give him all of the resources he needs to prepare himself mentally to start the football game, because they can't do that again. They can't yeah. throw a rookie quarterback into the fire in a packed mosaic stadium where they've been football deprived for 620 days. That's a horrible idea. Yeah, and I mean, he's getting first team reps. He should look a lot better against Calgary on Thursday. But 
moving moving away from BC because they did look good after what a hell of a football game that was. And it was it was game. crazy. Uh, you know, Rourke made his mistakes like any rookie would in no matter yeah. whatever league. Um, but Saskatchewan that for it was a tale of two halves for for both for that team. You know, you come out gunslinging in the first half. Everything's going your way. It looks like you can't make a mistake. And the second half, you lay an egg. My yeah. worry is that is this a personnel issue or is this a coaching issue? Because we've seen Edmonton and Ottawa under Jason Moss in the second half of a big league game kind of take their foot off the pedal. Yeah. So, so uh, that's my issue. I think the truth lies somewhere between. I don't think Saskatchewan is good as they were in the first half. I don't think they're as bad as they were in the second half. I think their success in the first half was a lot to do with BC's offense being completely out of whack, not being able to drive the football. Once Mike Riley came into the game, again, he calmed it down. Uh, and Saskatchewan's defense just – that defense, man, if Michael Riley could have thrown a football, they would have been in big trouble. Because that, that linebacking core is scary in a bad mm -hmm. way. And even the secondary, I, I just don't know how they don't come up with an interception on at least one of those ducks that Michael Riley threw. Yeah, I I don't know. But that that D line, like that D line's fine, but that's secondary. I think they have three linebackers who've never who never played a a CFL game up yeah. until that game like that night. Yeah. That that's terrifying. If I'm yeah. if I'm the Rough Riders, I look at that and like that's your weak point. No, that's that's, B, you that's BC. That's BC. That well, sorry, BC has what three defensive linemen that have never played a game in the CFL? Yeah, but I'm pretty sure the entire starting Rough Riders linebacking core never played. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm concerned about the Rough Riders defense. I think the offensive line doesn't look great either. Um, keeping Cody upright is going to be key. Off, like the rest of the offense, though, I think they have a ton of talent with William Powell. He's still <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, Kyran Moore, uh, Shaq Evans. Uh, they've got all kinds of weapons. If Cody can be kept upright, they're going to be fine offensively. It's defensively where I worry. If if Labat is if the reports of Labat coming back uh, next week for because um, I think restrictions are lifted on the fifteenth. If Labat is back after the 15th, that's a huge, huge boost to that interior line. If he's for, ready for to Saskatchewan. go. If he's ready to go. He probably won't play until week five. Yeah, because he didn't go to any of the camp, right? No, he, he retired. Yeah. Um, but if he's – he'll probably won't play until week five. I don't know when their bye week is. Their bye week was week four. So they he could come back uh, – Technically, I don't know. I don't know what the policy is going to be. If he'll have to quarantine, if he's already quarantining. If he's uh, right been now. in Canada, no. Okay, so realistically, he could be back on that Monday on the sixteenth and practice that entire week. Doesn't have to play the game on the twenty-first against Ottawa. You have the bye week, and he's good to go on Labor Day weekend against Winnipeg for the Banjo Bowl. Yeah, we big. They they need it. So that's something for Rough Riders fans to keep an eye out. Um, yeah, and as far as the Rough Riders go, again, tough game next week. You got Hamilton coming. Um, that's going to be a team that's not very happy with the way things have started, and I think we're going to see a much more tight Hamilton team. By the way, uh, I want to mention Brandon Banks real quick. His antics, I think, drained a ton of life out of that offense. Yeah, I mean – Banks is one of those guys, in my opinion, that he'll either help your team or he'll hurt your team. But I can also understand his frustration. I can too, but to me, if you're going to be that frustrated, that animated, and that demanding that you get the football, and you get it and you fumble it... Sometimes you're overthinking it. And I, I think that's it. the problem. It's it. that some athletes, they, they, they want all this. They want the ball. They want that. They want... like. And then they get it, and because they're overthinking everything and they think that they need to make a play, they end up making a bad play. Yeah, I get it. But, you know, they got to get on the bench. The coaches have got to calm that down. Because yeah, I if, think, if that, that is something that can derail your offense. Oh, 100%. But, 
We're moving on to the Saturday doubleheader where we, who knows what would have happened in these two games. Game of plays, you know, a couple of changes here and there. There's different outcomes. Start off with the first game, the Toronto Argonauts, Calgary Stampeders, two of the nicest looking jerseys in the league. I actually am not a fan of that helmet that the Stampeders are wearing, by the way. I don't really care about the helmet, but the jersey's nice. The jersey's very nice. The helmet, I don't really like the 75th anniversary logo on the side. Yeah, of it. I don't like that either, but I like the striping in the middle. Yeah, I, yeah, it's all right. Their helmet's also really sparkly this year. That kind of threw me off when I saw it. Yeah, it has a little bit of a gloss to it. Yeah. Anyway. I kind of wish they went back to the, the, the logo that they had during that era, but whatever. No. Uh but man, what a game! That was some very, it, like, McLeod Bethel Thompson looked like a starting quarterback in the CFL. Yeah, because he is. Uh, See, so yeah, I'm gonna. Can, can we can we also bring this topic up? Are you on the team of believing that Nick Arbuckle's actually injured to the point where he couldn't start this game, or do yes. you believe that McLeod Bethel Thompson won the starting job anyway? I think it's both. I think Bethel Thompson won the starting job. I think there was I think there was a lack of snaps in practice. Yep. Uh, and when you have a lack of snaps, you can be beat out because you're gonna have if you do not perform in the snaps that you have, you're you're gonna be beat out. I think it's a bit of both. I think you, you they combine. You know that you have the lack of snaps. Bethel Thompson is looking how how do you justify like more importantly, how do you justify sitting someone who's basically, I don't know, took it taken probably like 75% of the reps at first team or across your camp versus someone who's taking 25% of reps because of injury. Yeah. And j- just as an FYI, our again, we put out a poll in the uh the power rankings. Assuming Nick Arbuckle is completely healthy, who is the starting quarterback going forward for the Toronto Argos? 32 votes. McLeod Bethel-Thompson has 78% of the votes. I think Bethel-Thompson is going to be the starting quarterback until he starts to crumble. And per, like he, he is the, to me, he's the Ryan Fitzpatrick of the CFL. He is a great short-term quarterback. He'll give you three or four quality games. But by that fifth game, he'll start to crumble. I wonder how much that has to do with the team that he's had in the past. Because... This is definitely the most stacked Argos team that he's ever had the chance to work with. Yeah, I mean, the last couple of years, the Argos haven't been that good. Uh, I'll give them that. And just, hey, we're just looking at the receiving core. You got Jawan Breskison out there, who really, other than his one touchdown, I don't think was heavily, you know, involved. He Neither could was Aaron Rodgers, though. Well, that's exactly what I'm saying. And you still have Ricky Collins Jr. and they still have Levi Noel and. You know, the other guy. A, well, what's his name? Number eighty-seven. Um, can't remember his name, but he was the most involved player of that Argos offense. Yeah, it's a it's Tim a dangerous, White. dangerous football team. Like, I'm gonna pull up their stats real quick for like who ended up with the most, like receiving yards and whatnot. Ricky Collins Jr. had 126 yards. Yeah, Braverman. Well, had was the guy hit 42 yeah, I, yards after that first kickoff or that first punt. Sorry, I thought he was going to have a very short uh, stint with the Argos. Yeah, but no, like Breskinson only had one catch on four attempts for nine yards and a touchdown. But Giddens had two attempts, like two receptions on two attempts for a touchdown. Like this offense is so stacked that. You're you're gonna have the ball spread out very well. Yeah, and you know what, Shane? I just went to go look at our uh, game leaders, and I just realized that the way that I have put them in, um, into uh, our articles, they actually update to be the most recent articles' stats. So I'm gonna have that fixed for next week's games, um, because that is not at all how I want that to work. And I'm glad that I looked because. That makes me very angry, actually. <laughs> um, but like the fact that the fact that Calgary ran the ball over twenty times is crazy. 
that actually doesn't surprise me a ton. I think that they're still kind of green with their new receiving core. There's there's some fantastic talent there with Herji Mayala and uh, uh, oh my god, why am I blanking? Meyer Jordan. Come, there you go. There's some exceptional talent there. I think they just haven't had time to work with Bo yet. You know. Well, I agree, but it's just still for a team that kind of t- has taken like kind of gone away from the run the last couple of years after being a very run dominant team with with Messam and or Cornish beforehand. It's definitely interesting seeing them kind of go to that run-heavy set again. Yeah. It was working, though. I mean, the Argos, the Argos kind of struggled a little bit to stop it, but it's nothing for them that I'd be too concerned about because that defensive line, again, and the, the front seven really as a whole is brand new, dominant, dominant on paper, too. Yeah. Um, what I am concerned about with the Stampeders, though, is the inability to find the end zone. I mean, I'm not. Not right now. They put up 20 points. I think, you know, you had... You had one passing TD. So you only really had one TD, offensive TD. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know. I feel... These weren't long field goals they kicked either, by the way. Their field goals were somewhere between 20... The longest was 30. 30. Yeah, so... Between 20 and 30 yards, those aren't places you want to be kicking field goals from too often. You you need to put up touchdowns there. Yeah, but I mean they the traded too many sixes for threes. Yeah, and I mean the closer you get to the end zone, the harder it is to score, especially mm-hmm. against the front seven as dominant as what Toronto has. Like that's just the reality of it. I would not be surprised to see them put up more touchdowns against BC next week. Yeah, and that's that's exactly it. There's there's a lot of people saying that this is the end of the, the Calgary dynasty. You know, that's something that we've been seeing since the offseason, really. I think this is more of a blip. I think this is something that they're going to figure out. They're going to find a way to get back in the end zone because, f- to be frank, Bowie by Mitchell is way too talented and way too much of a competitor to let this be the end of it. You know, I think gonna we're going to – I think we're not going to see the end of it. I think this is just – Calgary, right? Like this is the first game in over 620 days. Like there is going to be rust. Yeah. Are you they know, dominant I, I, as, as they were before? I don't think so. I don't think I mean, they're going to come out and go, you know, 13 and one this year. Like, but to be fair, you know, Toronto only scored two touchdowns. Yeah. They just so looked, like, they looked better though. And I mean, to their it, credit too, I mean, Boris Beatty did hit a really long field goal, but he also missed one from 15. Like, is it, is it the fact that, I think the thing that we need to, to really look at is, is it Calgary looking bad or is there such a level, like such a expectation level of quality of play that we've gotten accustomed to by Calgary that even if they slip a little bit below that line, everyone treats it like it's some major issue that they're on the tail end of this dynasty that they've built. It happened with the Patriots too, though. You know, every single offseason, we'd be looking at the roster and go, oh, this is the year the Patriots finally friggin' die. Yeah. It, I, it, I don't think it is for the Stampeders yet. As long as they have Bo and they have Dickinson and, you know. Huffnagel. Yeah. Their offense is still good enough. Um, I think there's just some continuity issues there. More time, more reps. Is he going to fix that? I think what's uh, Milanovic Lyles, is that his name? Yeah. The running back. He looked pretty good, too. I've never heard of that dude before. And he came out, and he was genuinely impressive to me. Uh, Kadeem Carey is going to have a solid season, I think. Uh, yeah, I, I, mean, I just think, think I think we forget uh, that there was no preseason, that they mm-hmm. haven't played in over 600 days, and they have no preseason. They're just jumping right into it. Yeah, Like, their first three weeks are going to be preseason. It's going to look like preseason football for a little bit. It's going to give you that, like, there's going to be mistakes. There's going to be points left off the board because of whatever, like because of timing and continuity and understanding where you're supposed to be at a certain, at a certain situation. Like there's going to be those mistakes early in the season because, well, they don't have any in-game experience yet. Yeah. Um, one thing we didn't mention with uh, Saskatchewan BC, we didn't mention player of the game. Uh, we gave that to Michael Riley because I feel like we had to. Um, yeah. There was yeah, other that- people that we could have considered, but, for him to gut that out and give his team a genuine chance to win the football game like he did, 
I feel like it'd be disrespectful not to give it to him because uh, nobody went through more on that field than he did. Yeah, I that that was a gutsy performance. Uh, and, yeah, and then for the Toronto Hamilton game, Toronto Hamilton, Toronto Calgary game, uh, McLeod Bethel Thompson took it home, toe to toe with Bo Levi Mitchell and coming out on top. I mean. For a guy who that has been touted by you as the Ryan Fitzpatrick of the CFL, uh, system quarterback, all of the above. Hey, I never said he, he was, was a system quarterback. Yeah, I know, but that's just other genuine or general. I just think he's a Ryan Fitz like, and there's no disrespect to, to Bethel Thompson or or Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's just they're good stopgap quarterbacks. If they're a good quarterback, good player to have on your roster. If you need a player like a quarterback, if your starter gets hurt and he's only out for a couple of weeks. That's the guy you want taking over. Yes or no? Can McCall Bethel Thompson and the Argos win the Grey Cup? With Bethel Thompson as starting quarterback, of course. Yes, because of the defense and the start, like the, the quality of players around him. I agree. But I'm still hesitant on Bethel Thompson. If he, hey, if Toronto, if he's putting up another 300 yards consistently um, on a 70% completion rate, you know, hey, by week five, six, by their, like, oh, hey, my opinion of him will be changed. I will say that now. But if he goes into week five, six, seven, or game five, six, seven, and you start to see those faults, he, he's only throwing two, 250, hitting that 60% mark, There's that that's my issue. That, that's my worry. If he doesn't do that, hey, they have a great chance. If not, well, our buckle's there ready to play. So let's go with this then. Going into week two, both are healthy. Let's say both have had the equal reps going into next week. Who do you start? I, I think you go Thompson. I think okay. you go Bethel Thompson. He he gave he hasn't shown you a reason not to based off the Calgary game. I think you you have to let him play out of that position. Yep, I agree. Uh, by the way, we also put out a poll about who fans think is going to win this game coming up. Argos, Bombers. 69 total votes. That's fantastic. I love to see that. Um, this, honestly, Shane, I did not expect this to be so lopsided. Was it 87% of the votes for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Really? 87%. Maybe, I, think it's the, I think it's the O-line question marks on Toronto. You know, is it, you know, you're having basically a, uh, the same starting five from the Grey Cup going against probably one of the best front sevens in the league, but that Toronto offensive line. There's still some question marks there. They had some, some, you know, miss against Calgary. Yep. You know, can they play well? You know, it's going to be Campbell versus Jefferson on that right side. So I think that's going to be fine. But can that interior line with in that left side where covering Jeff Coat, are, are they going to get crossed up? What's going to go on with that? Is Bethel Thompson mobile enough to to extend plays? If the pocket breaks down, it's going to be very interesting to watch. I can understand why people have Winnipeg as the favorite in that game. On the flip side, though, I'm interested to see how the uh, Winnipeg offense fares against that Toronto defense. You know, I think that's a suffocating defense. And with more time to get together, maybe the Winnipeg offense can take the next step. We all know that defenses have an advantage early in the season. So, I mean, I, I think if I think there's a genuine chance that Toronto comes out and wins that football game. Um, and I, I think the sky's the limit for that club. Oh, 100%. It's going to be very interesting. I'm excited for that game. It's going to be a game, and I think – and I know it's cliche to say, especially coming from me, but if there's one game this week that's going to be one in the trenches, it's that game. It's the exactly. Toronto versus Winnipeg game on both sides of the ball for both teams. Yeah. Whoever can, can dominate that trenches, who can stop the run, if you can force the quarterback to throw – that's the that's the point. You need you can't allow Olivier to to have another hundred plus yard game. You can't have White Oliveira Oliveira have another hundred yard game. You can't have John White and I mean John White only had twenty eight yards, which seems like a lot or seem, doesn't seem as much as he actually did. I definitely thought he had more. Um, but you can't allow them to run. And that, that's the big thing is that you're going to have to force him to throw. Yeah. Let's move on to the game of the week. 
Oh yeah. The, well, I mean, it's not really. I mean, I would say the the Winnipeg Hamilton was the game of the week. Yeah, that, that was sarcasm. That was upset of the week. Can can I say this? I watched the condensed game, the cut down version. Yeah. And Ottawa looked really good because I didn't have to watch their offense. They're, and I think this is the problem though is that like you know, we we talked about it earlier. There's no preseason. And yes, it is. Uh, is Matt Nichols still reeling from a shoulder injury? Probably. I cannot believe that he looked as hurt as he did. Yeah, and like he looked bad. It was it there was it a shoulder? Was it just I the fact so. that again this offense has no in-game rhythm? I you know what, Shane, I look at that offense on paper. There's I mean <sighs> The receivers they have don't have a ton of CFL experience. Really, the only one that they have is RJ Harris. But between Jordan Smallwood uh, and Daniel, Daniel Peterman, Peterman uh, you can also throw Ryan Davis out there, who actually looks pretty good. You've got Nate Bahar if you need him. I simply cannot believe that their offense is as bad as it was in that game. Yo, was Anthony There's Coombs no playing? chance. Was uh, he hurt? He was there, but he never really got any snaps, I don't think. Yeah. He never caught a ball. I know that. But the other thing with Coombs is it looked to me in training camp that he was kind of starting to lose a starting spot uh, because he dropped a fair amount of passes. But there, there, to me, there's no way their offense is that atrocious. No, and I, I definitely think again. There's just this growing pains. The, this is a team that hasn't. It's they're learning a brand new offense. You know, for the like outside of who Peterman and Nichols and Flanders, that entire offense is learning a lot police system. Yeah. Can we with talk no about Flanders too, though? Like that. That's huge. But and again, I, I know I'm a broken record on this episode, but uh, the interior, the that entire old line looked bad. Yes. That, have, yes. Thank you. You have. Two, your tackles, and I think this is the thing that annoys me. And hey, I wasn't at camp. I'm not in there. I'm not watching film. I'm not a coach for this team. But why? What? What thought came behind Desjardins and La Police's mind to think it was okay to start two tackles who had combined have played 12 CFL games? This is, and, also I, even, and I don't even think the, the right tackle has started any. He's just played in some. The part of the issue, though, is the fact that they lost so many offensive linemen right before training camp. How do you replace that? But they didn't lose any tackles. Still, like, there's just they lost. Well, can, a, they lost a lot up there. I can understand their interior of their line being garbage, and but they they weren't. McMillan and um, Court Corte Cordy Cordy Cordy. They did well. They did decent. His snaps actually didn't look too bad, by the way. And I was I was very concerned about that going into this game. Oh, yeah. So was I. Because a snap can derail an entire... Yeah, and he, he maybe played, what, three games center in college, too? Yeah, he was more of a guard tackle yeah. in the University of Alberta, I think. Yeah. It's not his primary position at all. No. Uh, John is trying to pull... I can't remember the guy's names. Um, of course, it's just not pulling. That's great. Um, but yeah, I just I look at oh, here it is. Um, I, I'm just looking at who's on this this depth chart, and I'm just like, oh wow. Um, I, I can't I can't believe that. Our yeah, offensive you, you, line is so bad. You texted me in a surprise that Jacob Zott was starting. Yeah, because I, I didn't even realize he was going to start. Yeah. Like, I thought Pickett was going to get the start over him at left guard. But you have Rogers and uh, Catalina starting. And they, Rogers had 10 games with Montreal last year. Catalina had played his first game in the CFL. Uh, but man, I don't know. I I really have no idea what to say about this line because this line was not good. Yeah, I wonder too. 
at what point does Marcel Desjardins maybe pull the trigger on a trade? He has it's to. Not, it's not a common thing, but Derek Dennis is still stuck at Edmonton. This is my thing: is that if you struggle this year, he's out the door. Like, yeah, yeah I agree. Because I don't think he signed past this year. I think he only signed a one-year deal to keep him in for this season. I don't think yep. he signed anything else. Nothing. But if he, if they have like a a three-two win season. He's not being brought, and he doesn't do anything to fix this the O line specifically the O line. Yeah. He, he's gone. He's not going to be back. You know what? Credit to him though for building the defense, bringing back. I don't know what it is about a red blacks logo on his helmet that makes a, a Abdul Kenna unbelievable, but that dude is an absolute baller. And I, I can't believe that he didn't make things work with Hamilton or, or Toronto. But the fact that he's back in Ottawa with a fan base that appreciates him. Loves him. Loves him. Like, the dude is – he's fantastic. I mean, he's been liking and retweeting everybody that's complimented him on Twitter. Uh, he liked us. He retweeted us. He's been a blast. He's, he's been awesome, and he's an awesome dude. I, I'm so happy that he's back. The defense looks awesome. Onyemba's like him and Micah Owe. Beauty. You know what? Let's talk about Donyemba too. He didn't even play the best game. No, he had a he had a good game, but definitely not his best. No, and Micah Owe made a difference. I think Cleon Lang caused enough disruption up the middle to make a difference. Avery Ellis had a, uh, a sack. Avery Williams had fourteen tackles. I don't know yeah. if anybody caught that. He was dominant. Like, um, Baltimore I, had one. I of, really hope Sherrod Baltimore is okay, man. That that didn't yeah, look good. But he, saw, he was he was active on social media after that. He didn't really say anything about what his injury is. We'll find hopefully, out. Hopefully, hopefully nothing. Hopefully nothing serious. Yeah, we'll find out. Red Blacks practice on Wednesday, so we'll find out when. Uh, but when that happens, can we just talk about how much of a dog that he was? Yes, up until he was. his injury, he was. And you know, I think we got a comment on one of our tweets too that the red blacks defense wasn't actually that great it was just edmonton's offense being bad that's garbage take that's you don't terrible. you don't cause three t- interceptions and yes okay the the, the Kane touchdown okay the receiver is not slow but you know what abdul made a play you gotta make yeah you gotta you gotta hurt it when they make mistakes and that's what good defenses do mm-hmm. they force you to make mistakes and when if they don't force you to make a mistake and you still make a mistake they make you pay they had three yeah. interceptions on a guy who most people think is a, a top three quarterback in the CFL. Yeah, we got to talk about that too. Um, we hey, we'll talk, talk about it real quick. But yeah, this we, defense we... is fantastic. If their offense could figure shit out, mm-hmm. Scott, this team could be a lot better than people think. So hey, maybe maybe they make a, an adjustment during the bye week. They have someone to come in. I I don't know, but I don't see them having success. With the line that they have, I think that's the major concern. Is that you know, their next game is against who? Calgary, Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan. It's and a defense three? that I'm less concerned about, but that could still damn it. That could still be bad, though. Yes, um, but I mean, we didn't really hear much from Matthew Betts, so there's a positive. I don't know who was covering him all night. I think but... it was. I think it was Rogers. Yeah, I mean, I'm I don't have a problem with Tay Rogers being out there, but if you want to, he didn't. He he looked decent, but Catalina looked garbage. And yeah. and if your tackle, if your blindside tackle struggles, your entire the the entire like interior from left guard to right guard struggle because they will just dominate that side. Catalina is also a Red Sox fan, by the way. So, <laughs> well. Can't can't pick those, but uh, if you like if, you're, if you're a defensive like if you're a defensive coordinator and your know that you're left the blindside tackle is is rough and isn't as good as he should be, you attack that, and that yeah. means loading up the left side, slanting to the left side, doing everything on the left side, swings, crosses, everything, yeah. and that's what happened with Ottawa, and that's how. Friggin' Botang was able to have so much of an impact. Yeah. Um, on the Trevor Harris front, though, Shane, we trash. We warned Elks fans that Trevor Harris and Jamie Elizondo is not a good pairing. We no. we said it between the twenties, he's elite in the red zone, can't do anything. 
And you know what? He almost they, he did almost score a touchdown. They almost did. Uh, don't remember who the receiver was that caught the ball just outside of the end zone. It was their fullback. But uh, in, in the first quarter, in the throw. Oh, to the I thought side, you were talking about the end of the game. No, 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 no. This this was just a throw that I think was a little bit too overdone. Um, just a little too far out of the catch radius to stay in bounds. Oh, I think that was Ross. Yeah, Shy Ross. Yeah. By the so. way, you know what? I got to mention, why did we get more replay time of Shy Ross backflipping and dunking an Oreo cookie into a glass of milk than we did that illegal forward pass call? We saw one replay of that, and we saw three replays of Shy because Ross. Because everyone knows the illegal forward pass call was garbage. And I yeah. mean, to be fair, there was like two angles that I saw that you could probably make an argument for, but like, there wasn't enough to over, like, in my opinion, to overturn it. But you know and what? That's rule. It's got to be conclusive. So yeah. So I, I don't know. I'm still waiting for them to, to release that. But overall, like Trevor Harris, he's a he's a yards guy. But here, here's the thing: he he hit 75 percent of his throws. He threw it 44 times, 333 yards, zero TDs, three interceptions. His longest was 35. Darrell Walker and uh, James Wilder. Junior combined for a hundred yards receiving after the catch. James Wilder looked really good, by the he way. He did. I gotta throw that out there. But when a hundred of your three hundred and thirty-three yards come from two players in yards after the catch, I don't think I think we had what? Up until the second quarter, we only had or third quarter, we only we had no plays, no throwing plays over fifteen yards. Yeah. I think Matt Nichols' longest attempted throw of the night was seven yards. I think so, yeah. His longest was 15. He was 12 for 20, 71 yards, and his longest was 15. Yeah. And I mean, I mean the other thing, the other thing I got a question with Harris. In that last drive, I understand they're giving you the underneath route, but there's absolutely no chance that the best option for you in that moment, especially on the last play of the game, is to toss a little dunk off to your fullback and hope that he can run over three people and get into the end zone. To be fair, though, like, he did come a yard short. Shout out he to Kene, or Kene, uh, Kenna and Anamba for that. Shout out to them for stopping yeah, that. Yeah, and, and you know what? By the way, i got to say this, too. Um, Red Wags fans know that in 2019, the tackling was horrendous. They couldn't tackle anybody. How many broken tackles did you count in that game? I because like I think six. I think there was the James Wilder one, a couple, uh, the one Wilder. at the start of the game. Yeah, I think there was like six or seven that I, I remember off the top of my head. Yeah. Abdul Kane looked awesome. Avery Williams looked awesome. They didn't miss their tackles. They wrapped up and they brought them to the ground. Credit to Mike Benavides for working so effortlessly or tirelessly in training camp to make that happen. Defense looked amazing. It's just they the did. offense. It's just the offense. But Edmonton, you know, I think we've spent most of this time talking about Ottawa because of how Horror the offense was and how good the defense was, but Edmonton's offense was Edmonton's offense was non-existent, too. and they have star player after star player. But this is this is the problem with Elizondo and Harris is that a lot of what we saw were the same stuff that we saw in Ottawa: a lot of short dump passes, a lot of just conservative throwing before the sticks. Get it was a lot of here, take the ball. It's it's that whole mentality of let your playmakers make plays. Well. You got to stretch the field, and they didn't stretch the field. Trevor Harris got to be a playmaker for you too, and he's not. But you know, like instead of running a curl route that stops four yards before the stick and hoping the receiver can get there, why don't you run a curl route just beyond the sticks? Get him the ball and let him get hit right away and go down instead of doing it four yards and then punting. I mean, like it's just. American the play calls for them don't make sense. It's you know it does make sense in four down football, and this is the reason why I hate how we have accepted. And, and this isn't to hate on the coaches themselves, but I feel like we would have a lot more innovative play calling if we had U sports coaches in the C like in the CFL because you have all these all these coaches that their plays would work very well. In the NFL, they would work very well in four down football. Do you know how Rod Peterson has on his show? They have the whenever Rod starts ranting, they have like the Rod's rant thing that gets stamped across the screen. Yeah, we need one of those for any time you go on a rant about Lansdowne 
needing a footlocker, uh, shoes, or uh, Canadian head coaches. Hey, I mean, just anything, really. Anything would work for <laughs> rant-wise. Um, but, like, it's true, though. Elizondo's, like, offense plays for a, an American-style football. It doesn't yeah. play for Canadian-style football right now. So they're going to have to make the adjustments, but... I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sold on Edmonton right now. They're not. Yeah. They're not the team that I thought they were going to be out of week one. But again, no preseason. It, it could be different by week two. Who knows? We'll see when they play Montreal. But you know what, Shane? Like I wrote in the power rankings that you can tell in my in those power rankings, they are the team that genuinely frustrates me because there's way too much talent in the quarterback room. There's way too much talent at receiver. There's way too much at defense for them to do this same garbage again this year where they don't play up to expectations and they don't go deep in the playoffs. They cannot oh, do that again. They can't. They're way too good. Too much talent for them to do this again. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how they rebound after this because this must have been a demoralizing loss for the offense because realistically the offense cost them the game. The offense should be very uh, disappointed <laughs> in themselves because the fact that they didn't win this football game and their defense gave up nine points is ridiculous. It's not good enough. So it's going to be interesting to see how they handle Montreal. Uh, Our player of game for Ottawa before we wrap up was Abdul uh, Kene. Uh, He also won our player of the week. Yes. I mean, two interceptions, a touchdown. Six tackles. He he looked phenomenal. He looked great. Not going to lie. I'm so happy he's back in Ottawa. I'm going to need to grab a white jersey at some point, but I do not trust myself – for wearing it, so I'm gonna wait till the end of the season and maybe grab a game used jersey out of the locker room sale. Could have um, uh, also, by the way, went with uh, Avery Williams from that game because he was so good and so he was. But Abdul Kane won in the game. Yeah, and he won Player of the Week. Um, but it's crazy, crazy. It was a crazy week of football. Uh, yeah, I, I know so we spent all again. episode talking about the CFL, but we have waited over 600 days to do this. So next episode may not be so CFL dominant. Um, but thank you all for tuning in and, and catching us live tonight. I know we've changed up our times. We will be going Monday at 730 to 830 every week from now on. There will be other things on our YouTube channel, so you will want to subscribe to that. Uh, 13th Man Sports on YouTube. Check out our Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, our website, all that fun stuff. You know what to do. Uh, remember, links in the description below for Bodog and Customized Sports. Uh, we, do have a new, uh, we do have a new video up on YouTube right now, but a little bit of a highlight package for this week. I follow myself at Shane underscore by at thir- uh, 13 and then Frankie at Frankie underscore Benvo. Uh, do you have anything to add to that, Frankie, before we yeah, sign Yeah, I just off? want to toss out there that we have been working tirelessly to put out content on our website. Uh, you may have seen, I think it was about 12 new articles that we posted this weekend, Shane, yeah. which is like mind-meltingly much for us uh, because we are a very, very small crew. So that being said, if you've ever been interested in sports writing, uh, and ever thought about potentially wanting to do that, uh, we would be very thrilled to uh, have some help on, whether that's to write CFL, your favorite team there, CEBL, MLB, NBA, NFL, whatever you want to write, uh, we got a platform for you to do so. So It doesn't um, just have to be writing. If you want to do content, we can do content as well and videos yep. and whatnot. But, yeah, let us know. We can head up to our, our – I think there's a way to contact us on our – Yep, it's website, uh, right? yep. You can see the contact page, and uh, yep, hit there, fill out the email form, and we will uh, get back to you. You can also just DM us on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram too, I guess. Um, yeah, any way to get in contact with us, we can start a dialogue about that. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you for uh, staying in, and we'll catch you next Monday with a brand new episode. And hopefully, you enjoy another week of CFL football, NFL, uh, NFL preseason <laughs> has started. So, Who cares? that's more football to watch. Stay safe, guys. Enjoy your week. We'll see you next time.